mindful of the living force, young Padawan. You will be a Jedi. I promise. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. exciting because it's been 20 years of celebration but also 20 years of the Phantom Menace. It's so surreal to me that Phantom Menace is 20 years old. You have the 20th anniversary of the beginning of the saga, so the Phantom Menace, that's happening this year, and then you have the end of the saga with episode 9 coming out, so it's a really great way to celebrate the Skywalker saga. For the episode nine panel. I can't wait. I want to see episode nine trailer. I want to know everything there is to know about this movie. Please welcome our host, Stephen Colbert. Love Chicago. This is unbelievable to be here. All the other countries around the planet, I want to give you a big wave. How did I find Orlando again? Orlando never left me. It is my pleasure to introduce the Next Generation cast. Really overwhelming. Hi! Hello! BB-8 has a new friend. This is Dio. Who here wants to see a teaser trailer? This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138 on Saturday night, not on Friday night like we normally do, because... Ah. Reasons because schedules are just crazy. Um, I just got back from a little thing called Star Wars Celebration Chicago, and that's why my schedule's been crazy. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight: is celebration, is all the great Star Wars news that was revealed just last week. You may have heard last week's show. If you've not, you definitely need to go check that out. Um, I made a brief cameo from Chicago, but uh, I'm going to stay for the whole one this time, the whole episode. And I'm going to talk about what I experienced, what I saw. And uh, I'm assuming everyone has seen it all by now. But if not, we'll break it all down and try to explain it and get to the bottom of all of it. But first, introductions are in order if you are new, of course. My name is Ben. And joining me, as he always does, it is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, I would say it's good to be back. 
but you've been here and I haven't been, so I'm glad that you've been holding down the fort while I was gone. Well, dude, it's good to have you back. It really is. Not not to knock on Jake or Sean. They are excellent co-hosts. I do a, a co-hosting of a show that's Game of Thrones related with Sean. So, you know, I, I can't knock either of those dudes. But it's just, it's it's really weird because we are states apart. And I keep wanting to say it's good that you're home. <laughs> you're not yeah. at my home. You're at your home, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's good to have you home. And that home being the IPC. So uh, I know you made a ton of memories while you were in Chicago, memories that I am bummed I did not get to participate in. But uh, it's it's still a really immersive experience thanks to things like social media and live streaming and podcasting and uh, the Star Wars show and you know just all kinds of different ways to get you really engaged with the Star Wars universe. And honestly, I feel like Star Wars has some of the best fans in the galaxy and conversely some of the worst fans in the galaxy. We got a taste of a little bit of both of those over the course of this last week, but mostly the best part. Yeah, like 99% the best. Because everybody had such amazing cosplays that I saw there. I mean, I saw everything from an episode 2 Padme to the guy in pink shorts wearing a boom mic from the behind the scenes of A New Hope, you know? Yeah. Like, you've got a wide range of, of different people that cosplayed. I think I saw an Admiral Raddus there at one point, uh, a Rebels Darth Vader. Like, there were some really cool cosplays out there. And then you also had people who found a way to sneak out their cell phones and record footage of just about every major panel that happened over the course of the week, which you knew that was going to happen, but the fact that those videos survived and have stayed up on the internet as long as they have is also really impressive because now people like me have had the opportunity to see and experience some of the stuff that I didn't get to see in person, and yet I now feel a little bit more connected to the people from Chicago having seen some of that material. Yeah, it <clears throat> let's let's face it. It it sucks that they didn't like release at least some of it. Like we're specifically talking about I mean the Mandalorian sizzle reel at least. Come on. Yeah, that like they I don't get it and it was funny because during the panel like they showed like that first thing which is this behind the scenes reel and shows kind of like a our first full scene. And it wasn't until after they played that that John Favreau was like, "Oh, I was supposed to tell you that you weren't supposed to film that." And it womp, was like, "Well, womp, well, womp, too bad. Whoops! Everybody filmed it, and everybody filmed everything else because you know they didn't take our phones away from us. So it's just an open panel. Everyone had their phones out, and everyone filmed it. And there's like a hundred different <laughs> um, views of all the footage online." I don't know why they chose to think because with Clone Wars, everything was posted online. The entire panel, including the clips and the trailers, um, you know, of course, Rise of Skywalker, same thing. Jedi Fallen Order, same thing. Like, I don't know why they were so tight lipped with Mandalorian, which the Mandalorian panel was a great panel. They showed a lot of great stuff, but it was just to us. They were in the audience. Um, They could have really made a big splash online with, with that sizzle reel. I mean, that, that sizzle reel alone was enough to get me excited. And then seeing the, the, the behind-the-scenes, seeing the actual scene from the show that they that they put on there, you know, somebody kind of had their phone on their hip or something and were, like, kind of guesstimating if they had the right angle or something. But even then, the material that I saw, the music that I heard, 
it made me feel like I was there. You know, yeah. even even with something like a, a cell phone video that has, you know, over 200,000 views now because it's the only one on the internet that somehow stayed up. I don't know. But that kind of immersion was something that I really valued and really appreciated. And I'm sure you've got a lot of really awesome memories uh, from your experiences at those panels as well. What was what was one or two that like really, really stood out to you that were like big memories that you're going to take away from your trip to Chicago? It's hard to narrow it down because, you know, there was so many. And it, it, it the, the the biggest takeaway for me was meeting everyone that came up to the booth and goes, yeah, I listened to your show. Thank you so much. And there wasn't just Star Wars Underworld listeners. There was IPC listeners that came up and said, hey, I love your show. Like, that was amazing. Um, so shout out to everyone who came up to the booth and said you were an IPC listener, and I gave you a sticker. Or maybe you stole one of the cards off the table, because, you know, before that, I don't know if we talked about it prior, but we had cards printed up, like business cards for mm-hmm. IPC, um, and I put a stack of them on the table, and somebody was taking them, because by the end of the weekend, like, they kept disappearing. So, nice! So they were out there in, in the ether, out in the celebration, Um on the floor, show floor. So uh, maybe some of you have discovered the show based on this because there was a lot of people that came up to the booth and had no idea what the Star Wars Underworld was. And we're like, right. what do you do? What do you talk about? And we're like, um, Star Wars? And I mean, you know, this is like celebration for uh, Star Trek, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and there's a few people that are like, hey, what's this? What's this? So it was that was it was extra rewarding just having the people come up and 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 say how much they enjoyed it because that's what it's all about. Because podcasting can be a pretty thankless job. Sometimes you don't know if anybody's really listening. So it's really nice to have someone in person come up to you and go, yeah, that thing you did, I like that. That's really rewarding. Um, yeah, but on top of that, yeah, I mean, ahead. for the, for the most part. It's just analytics. You're looking exactly. at it and seeing you've got certain number of hits, you had certain number of listens, but you don't know who those listens were or how much they listened to or how much they did or did not enjoy it. To have that face-to-face conversation is really, really special. And it's one thing that I am pretty bummed about, having not been to any previous celebrations. I'm going to do my best to make it to Anaheim next year if I can because mm-hmm. I want that experience. I want to be able to go to a convention floor – And people come up to me wearing my IPC shirt and being like, hey, I like your show. You know, that would be like, I'm not saying that to be prideful. I'm saying that because I want to meet you guys, you know? Yeah. I want to be able to give you a high five, to shake your hand, to to give you a hug, whatever it may be. I want to be there for that, along with the panels, along with the discussions. Our friend Katie hosted her own panel, which I didn't even know was a thing. You can apparently host your own panel and talk about a particular topic of Star Wars, and if they deem it worth talking about, you've got like 45 minutes to an hour to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy awesome, just the amount of things. And it's like, I'm bummed because I didn't make it to Katie's panel because I was doing so many other things at the time. Um, and I, well, I feel it's like on I YouTube. To- Did you know that? Yes, yes, yeah, go to, I don't know what her channel is, but definitely go check out uh, at Pohot Dameron 
on Twitter and go find our panel. That's what I'm going to do probably as soon as the show is over is go watch that panel because I was bummed that I missed it. But thanks to the power of the Internet, um, mm-hmm. it's out there now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's the really cool thing is getting able to to meet people that that have been on your show before that you've hosted shows with. That's why I love getting together for every new Star Wars movie, you know? Yeah. Getting to see you guys and getting to podcast in person is one of the coolest experiences of the year for me. And so, you know, having the title The Rise of Skywalker was cool. Seeing the teaser was cool. But knowing a little bit, just a fraction of some of the things that we have the potential to talk about in December has me so excited for this movie. It's not even the movie. It's the fact that I get to discuss the movie with you guys. Yep. That is where my hype level is at right now. If I can borrow uh, Jeff's phrasing there, I'm very hyped for this movie because I am very hyped to discuss it with you guys. That That's my level of excitement right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be amazing. And the next year is going to be amazing with all the stuff. And Anaheim is going back to Anaheim. And hopefully you'll be there. And hopefully I'll be there. And a bunch of you guys and IPC listeners will be there. It's going to be amazing. Um, because there, there's just in the Star Wars universe in general, there's so many things out there. I mean, we talk about everything on this show. But, you know, it's all, you know, there's so much happening in Star Wars right now. You could do an entire podcast just devoted to Star Wars. Do you think about that? Whoa. We should do that. Yeah, we should. We should we should come up with it and and then come up with like news and rumors and casting announcements and just anything that can pertain to uh to the to the Star Wars universe. I think something that's like that hyper focused would be really popular because only people interested in Star Wars would actually tune into that. Yeah, exactly. And, like, we could have insider information and be, like, trading secrets and stuff. Kind of like an underground or something, you know? I'm telling you. Sad. That's, that's, I'm, I freaking love it. That's an idea. That's what we should call it. We should call it the Star Wars Underground Podcast. Yes! Brilliant! Brilliant! Great, Scott! You've done it! I, I think I've just... I think I've just broken the internet. It's, it's such a brilliant idea. It's just... It's so too good to be good. true. So okay. good. For those of you who are new to the show, we're being completely facetious <laughs> because there actually is such a podcast, and Ben is a co-host of it, and it's called the Star Wars Underworld Podcast. Go look up at the SWU on social media platforms. You'll find the links to such a podcast discussing everything. You guys did, like, what, four or five consecutive days of podcasting from the actual convention, talking about we everything, like, the five, day of. Five podcasts for five days one podcast at the end of each day and we did a big podcast a live one um with speakers and all and with live music from our good buddy din from f105 and it was amazing um and special special i cannot say enough dominic jones is a freaking rock star superhero in my book the man works his ass off and that happening was almost totally his doing um you know recording those making sure things half the stuff i don't even know how it works like this you plug this into this and this works like i'm totally ignorant he made all that happen and it was amazing so definitely if you're looking for um i know we didn't get a chance to do a show this week because reasons that's a whole other story that i'm gonna get into 
but we did have five new shows, which is we've done, you know, that's that's like a month's worth of content that we produced in five days. Now, with all that, you've got you've got a month's worth of content and maybe like a week's worth of separation from everything that's happened at Chicago. Right. Maybe not even a full week. You left on Monday. So, you know, it's not it's not even a full week. Yeah. But I imagine you've had some time to watch and rewatch and process some of the different things that were released and talked about and announced and discussed. Um, obviously, the Rise of Skywalker teaser mm-hmm. was a big one. Uh, the Mandalorian had photos, footage, sizzle reel, full scene, teaser. You know, it had a lot of content. You've got a trailer and clips for Season 7 of The Clone Wars. There was a panel and a trailer for the new video game uh, Jedi Fallen Order. There was a lot that happened. Yeah. Uh, out of those things that I've mentioned, uh, which one do you feel like warrants the most discussion? Like, out of everything that they dropped on us in a span of a few days, what jumped out to you the most that you're, like, most talkative about? I think, I mean, definitely just today, you know, I was, shout out to our good buddy, Jeff White, I believe is still in the chat, and uh, he had me on his new show, Hype Function, um, so definitely check that out because we had a great discussion about about Celebration, and one of the big things we talked about was that Rise of Skywalker teaser. And I know we won't I won't get too much into it tonight because you guys covered it a heck of a lot last week and I've talked it to death on multiple podcasts already and I'll be talking about it more for the next year. Um but um that was like the huge thing that every, everyone like everyone you ran into like what did you think of the teaser? Like that was the huge talking point at Celebration was like what did you think? What was your reaction? What did you think of that laugh at the end? You know, and it was, you know, it it was so much fun. And but there was a lot of other things. I mean, a ton of our good buddy Star Raptor, Chris Abbott, um, who is on several of the Star Wars Underworld podcasts that we did because he was around a lot. Um, he had a lot of input about Jedi Fallen Order. He was really excited about that. Um, Mandalorian really impressed me. Um, and Clone Wars was like coming home. Like, it just, that blew the roof off of that place. Clone Wars just nailed it. Um, but Rise of Skywalker, to me, was the most just evocative of just like, holy crap, this is like, I knew I was going to be excited about this movie, but I didn't realize how excited I could be about this movie. And it just, it blew me away. I'm still, like, a week later watching the teaser going like, this is amazing. So, I guess I need to ask the cliche question because I haven't asked it on this podcast yet. Uh huh. What did you make of that laugh? I and see, I was also explaining this on Jeff's show. I'm an idiot because I'm one of the people for years and years now who goes Palpatine in the EU coming back to life, doing this, doing that. That's dumb. That's dumb. That's why the expanded universe deserves to be non-canon is because it did stuff like that. And then they did this, and I lost my collective mind when I heard that laugh. I, I was <laughs> it was not anger, it was happiness. I was thrilled to hear that laugh. And especially see Ian McDermott walk out on stage. 
um, and go, roll it again. And I was like, yes! Like, I was jumping up and down. Like, it was great. Everyone was happy. Like, I, I didn't hear, like, any really negative opinions about it. Some people were like, eh, I'm not sure how this is going to go, but whatever. Like, everyone was like, holy crap, can you believe that just happened? And it wasn't like, this is stupid. It's like, this rocks. This is awesome. Um, but I, I'm coming at it from the perspective of, I'm assuming it's going to go to the go the ideal way that I believe it's going to go. They could screw this up big time. They really could. This is a yeah. big gamble. With bringing Palpatine back, doing this, it's not a choice that I probably would have made if I was in the driver's seat. But they could actually do this right too. So I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to give them an opportunity. I'm going to see the movie. Give it its full chance. Um, but I think... It's a big thing, and I, I'm not sure, like, ultimately, I, there's a lot of variables with the fact that, you know, you know, the fact that, you know, Anakin seemingly brought balance to the Force by killing Palpatine. Now he's back. What does that mean for the Chosen One prophecy? What does that mean for the destruction of the Sith? And also, like, how do they wrap this all up? They're bringing Palpatine back in the last movie. Like, do they have to kill him off? Like, what's going to happen? I don't know. But ultimately... I'm excited to see what they do because it's a very unexpected thing. And, and you know, one thing I appreciate about The Last Jedi is the fact that that movie did its best to do something different. And it wasn't trying to do greatest hits of Star Wars, whatever, and just, you know, kind of be predictable. Like, largely like Force Awakens was. And I'm not drifting on that movie, I'm just saying. Um, I was afraid that The Rise of Skywalker would be that. That it would be more predictable, more kind of like Return of the Jedi, wrapping it all up, not a whole lot of surprises. This blows all that out of the water. So that excites me. Yeah, I mean, going off of what you said about appreciating The Last Jedi being so different, I think that is where the split kind of came in, where there were some people that appreciated it and some people that didn't appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah. And with that split, I feel like Abrams kind of maybe put a little bit of a heavy-handedness to the return of the Emperor in the teaser. I feel like that could have been a reveal. I know that they said they've been working on that since The Force Awakens, that they've been trying to figure out how to integrate that since The Force Awakens. And I get that. But I think they made it a little bit more emphasized in response to the people that said they didn't like how different The Last Jedi was. And it's like, you don't like different? Okay, well, here's something very old and very familiar. And a lot of the memes that have been popping up on the internet since then have been like, you know, his evil laugh and then, you know, Joey Tribbiani's surprise face from Friends. Or <laughs> or it'll be, um, it'll, be the, it'll be the meme from The Phantom Menace where it's like you hear the evil laugh and then you, you, the next panel is... Palpatine saying a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Right. Like there's 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 such a warm reception to his return that I'm kind of with you. I'm a little I'm a little nervous about what it is they're going to actually do and how they're actually going to do it because Supreme Leader Snoke didn't have a whole whole lot to do in The Force Awakens and then he died rather dramatically slash anticlimactically in The Last Jedi. And so when it comes to villains, 
the people that we associate with villainry really haven't done a whole lot in the first two of this trilogy. But somebody as big as Palpatine needs a little bit more spotlight than just a glorified cameo, I feel like. Right. And so just how much attention are they going to be giving to him is part of my concern. Just how much emphasis are they going to have over him? Is he going to be the MacGuffin of this movie? Is he going to be what you're searching for, what our troop of heroes is looking for? And if so, how do they beat him? Because, like you said, there was supposedly balance to the Force, and with him being back in any capacity, it kind of negates that just a little bit. Unless it's a a clone or a... uh, holographic projection or you know something like that i a holocron maybe i i don't really know what the process looks like what it what it could be like you said it has the potential to be really really great but at the same time if they do it wrong it has the potential to to continue to divide the fandom even more than the last jedi did which makes me really nervous more than anything well, what what's interesting thing is I think I think the reason this is being so well received right now is that everyone, including me, has the ideal scenario. They're, what they want is in their head, like how they think Palpatine right. is going to come back. Everyone right. comes up with a theory that they they like very much. I have one. Everyone has one. You know, I, I'm I'm already you know you know you know poking my buddy Steele to say he needs to come up with your your Palpatine theory suck stickers now because. Everyone has a theory now, and, and most of them probably suck. Um, but the thing is, with Palpatine, like, like Dominic kept throwing him in the series. You, know, you can listen to him explain it fully on one of the Star Wars Underworld podcasts, but basically, he thinks this is a fake-out. He thinks Palpatine's not really back, that he'll show up via hologram, via whatever, and he it, something it'll be hiding something else, that he won't actually be in the flashback. He's still dead, whatever. My problem with that is, essentially with this trailer, they are promising a return of Palpatine. I don't think it's going to sit right with fans. I think a certain amount of fans will be okay with it. The people that don't like the idea of Palpatine coming back are going to be okay with the fake out that, oh, he was never back, he's still dead, whatever. But there's going to be a large portion of fans that are going to be pissed off. Yep, yep that they don't get Palpatine back. There's people yep. out there that are on board 100% with Palpatine coming back in the flash to face down with Kylo Ren and Rey and all those guys and have a you know kick-ass fight. There's people out there, there's a ton of people out there that are down for that. And if you tell them, no, he's still dead, they, they've promised a certain amount with this trailer is what I'm saying. And I think if they don't follow through with it, they have to find the happy medium. They have to... Bring Palpatine back in a way that satisfies people that want him back, but ultimately not do it go so far as to, you know, turn off people that are off. So you're you're right. It does it's it's a gonna be a controversial thing. And it's funny, I think it was Jason Ward from Making Star Wars that was talking about this and kept referring to it. I didn't know what he was talking about, but he kept saying in his reports that there's a MacGuffin out there, there's something in there, and it's gonna be controversial. This is it. This is this is your controversial point for this movie right here. Well, I mean, I'm sure as more information is available and more stuff leaks, 
there's going to be even more controversy. That's just kind of the nature of the movie business. Everybody's going to find something to critique. You know, people are really, really hyped about uh, Avengers Endgame, but there's as much critiquing it as there is, um, you know, hype about it. Right. Which it comes out this Thursday, I believe, which I'm really excited about. I got my tickets like two weeks ago. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people that feel like the reason that Shuri and, uh, Peter Parker were dusted was because they were the two that would tell Ant-Man to go up Thanos's butthole and then get, get big again. (laughs) God. Like people are seriously critiquing this so hard that they're saying the two people who would actually make that suggestion to Scott were dusted so that they wouldn't be able to make it. That's how much people are critiquing this movie, and it's not even out yet. Wow. It's, it's such a weird thing. It's such a weird dynamic. But, you know, I think Star Wars is put under a, a, an even deeper microscope now because of how much conversation surrounded The Last Jedi. And I don't know if it's warranted. I don't feel like it is. You know, you're allowed to like things and you're allowed to dislike things that doesn't make you any more or less of a fan it's the way that you treat people who have those opinions that matters most and it's been and it's been the treatment of those people and those opinions that has really disheartened me and the fact that something like celebration chicago was able to get people excited about star wars like i would say like like you said the reception to this teaser was really great and the vast majority of people are saying, yeah, I, I'm really excited, or yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's see. That's a positive step to me. That's a step in the right direction is that you're not having those opposing views. You've got a lot of people that are relatively on the same page and ready to see what happens come December. I know I'm ready. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that hopefully, hopefully people like me Learned a lesson from Last Jedi, not 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 to go in expecting. Is that that was my deal with Last Jedi? Is that I went in expecting so much, and it was totally different, and it was it, it it defied all my expectations, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And this time, I'm just gonna go in and I'm gonna have a good time with it, and I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna you know say oh I didn't get this and this and this. I'm just gonna try to have fun with it because Star Wars is fun. And I hope people don't go in going, I I want this and I want this and I want this, you know. Try to have fun with it and try to accept. And you know what? If you're not a fan of Palpatine coming back, and he does come back, just try to hang with the movie and try to try to be open minded about it. And, and you know, it, it you know it just takes people being able to go. This is not for me, but that's okay. You go enjoy that, and that's that's the one number one thing that does not happen on the internet. People don't like other people enjoying things that they don't like. It just, it just hasn't happened. You know, I get really annoyed at people who say that, and I'm sure it's an exaggeration, I'm sure it's hyperbole, but I get really annoyed at the people who say that The Last Jedi is the worst movie ever. Uh, yeah, I do too. I seriously, like, that's... it. It's a, it's a total just like it's taking hyperbole just to the next level. It's ridiculous. Like, look, I have my issues with the movie. I know you have issues with the movie. Oh yeah. Like, it's not perfect. 
And now I like I I the people that call it a masterpiece. I'm like, what are you thinking? I don't I don't like, get that. I'm like, did we watch the same movie? But 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 then on the saying, flip side, yeah. it's the worst movie ever. It's like, have you watched any movies? Yeah, like you for you're real. No one. It, like, let's let's face it. If you're saying stuff like that, no one is taking you seriously. Not a single person right. is taking you seriously. Right. Your opinion means nothing when you start saying stuff like that. You can say. It's my least favorite movie of all time. Okay, that's fine. I still question like how many movies you've ever seen. Yeah, true. But like obviously you've never seen Zombies because <laughs> like Last Jedi is definitely better than Zombies. I'm sorry. I don't care how much you dislike it. It's better than that. Um I was thinking that. I was thinking of Batman the Killing Joke. Oh my gosh. I don't know if you've seen that, but that was a terrible movie. I'm sorry. Last Jedi isn't even the worst Star Wars movie in no n- in no universe. Ooh, that's it's a not, hot take. It's not. No way. That, no way. That's a that's a hot take, my dude. Look, that's I really... love I love all the Star Wars movies, but there there's there's bad ones and there's good ones. Last Jedi is not one of the bad ones. In my oh. opinion. Ugh, and it's okay if you take. disagree. It's okay uh, if you disagree. That's a hot take. Uh, I think. <laughs> How did we one get of, off on this? I think for one of our top fives, we need to talk about the top five worst movies we've ever seen. Because I, guar- I guarantee you The Last Jedi is not going to end up on either list right now. No. No. I don't think it'll. I don't think any Star Wars movie. I, I couldn't do that. I, I, no, there's no, I, no I don't. Movie. I don't think I could do that to any Star Wars movie, except maybe The Clone Wars. But that's only because it was meant to be like a story arc. It wasn't meant to be like an actual movie. And even then, it kind of grew on me the last time that I watched it. It's it, it, it's not it, my favorite it, 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 story. It's not my favorite arc, but it's got some good moments. The Clone Wars movie is better when you put it in context with the rest of the series. When you watch the rest of the arc. And, and that's that's what I've been doing is I watched that arc in sequence because I went through or I'm going through the show in chronological order. Ooh, yeah. I'm watching it and by arc and by story. And it's not even the first story. thing that's in chronologically. Like, just no, like it's the not. Second thing. No, it's not because you've got you've to watch Cat and Mouse before that. Exactly. So yeah, so. there's there's other stuff before that, and then there's plenty of other stuff that comes after it too. So yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think that needs to be one of our top fives. Is the top five worst movies we've ever seen? Because I, I know that the Last Jedi is not going to be there, and probably not any Star Wars movie is going to be there. And even if the Rise of Skywalker isn't what we thought it would be, or what we may have, you know, had this preconceived notion of what it could be. I highly doubt it's going to end up on that list either. It it just does not stand to reason that that's something that's going to happen. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay. Well, um, really, well, there's something else that I want to cover real quick, and I, sure. I, I, know, I know, and there's a few other things before we before we wrap up for the night, which will be a little while. But um, I know neither one of us are big gamers, but I wanted to get your take on Jedi Fallen Order. It wasn't always like this. But now, there are three rules to survive. Don't stand out. Accept the past. Trust. 
No one. I've seen the trailer a couple of times and I've seen bits and pieces of, uh, of the panel. Um, I'm trying to, to come up with the right words for this because like you said, I'm not, I'm not a gamer per se. Right. I've got a couple of game systems. I've actually got a, a, a PS4 and an Xbox One, but do I play them regularly? Uh, no, because I'm working like five jobs and an internship and you know all these other things. Time that could be used playing video games usually gets used doing things like eating and sleeping and that kind of thing, doing homework. Um, but... Everything that I heard about Jedi Fallen Order really intrigued me. And it made me hopeful that maybe we could have something along the lines of what we had with... I, do I dare say Knights of the Old Republic? Mm-hmm. Do, do I dare say The Force Unleashed? You know, it, it's not going to be Battlefront, where you can hop online and play with a whole bunch of people. It's not going to be a party game. It is an individual story game that you have to play out from beginning to end. And you play it without any microtransactions, which I'll believe that when I see it, EA. (laughs) But the fact that that's what they're promising is really intriguing. And the timeline that they're putting it in looks really cool. The visuals look really, really cool. Um, there's just a lot in there that gives me hope for what it could be. I I don't know if Fallen Order should be the first single-player game that they have, that they put out. It would have been one of the top three that I would have suggested. Uh, I'm not necessarily a proponent of KOTOR 3, per se. But I think there's other storylines that you could have followed that would have made for a really interesting game. Uh, I've seen some people that wanted like smuggler and bounty hunter type stories. I saw somebody that wanted um, a Skyrim type of uh, game set on Tatooine or something like that. You know, there there's plenty of other things that they could have done, but this still looks really fun. And here's the clincher for me. Here's the one that made me go, "Oh wow, I might actually have to buy this." The lead character is played and voiced by Gotham star Cameron Monaghan. Yeah. Dude, when he came out on stage for the panel, I clapped. Okay? Yeah. (laughs) Not gonna lie. Because Cameron's portrayal of Jerome Velasca in Gotham is quite possibly one of the best portrayals not only of the Joker's character, but just one of the best character portrayals in that show, period. And to have him in the Star Wars universe in any capacity is a great, great move. Do you still have me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. 
Okay, because it sounded like my mic might have cut out there for a second, and I was like, "Ah, oh, crap!" <laughs> you were into it. You were into it, of course. I, I really, I really was, because I, I know that they call him the, the the ginger maniac in the show. But let's face it, he's the Joker. It's funny. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I zoned out just for a second because I saw this really great meme that just so happens to tie in directly with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's got a picture of Mark Hamill on top. It says. A Jedi once voiced the Joker, and it's got a picture of this guy saying, now the Joker is voicing a Jedi. It's very true. It's very true. Very, very just ironically crazy. Well, and from what I understand, they also did some mocap with him, too. So it's not just his voice. It's not just his, uh, his face and his physique. But it's also some of his actual motions that they captured as well. Yeah, I and think it's so, like a full on performance from him. Yeah. Like he's on like on a stage, um, you know, kind of acting it out. I think that's a lot of how they do a lot of video games these days. Yeah, and so this is as immersive as you can get with somebody's character in an animated format. You know, it, it's not live action, although maybe putting him in VR would be pretty cool. That's something I needed to ask you about, too. Did you get to play the, the VR Darth Vader uh, series at all? I got to watch it be played. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, like, a special, like, I think it was, like, a press thing where we went in to do it. But they are like, only one of you can do it, <laughs> and the rest of you have to watch, so... That's dumb. Yeah, it was kind of dumb. I was fine. I was fine with it. But, like, Dominic got to do it. And it was very entertaining watching Dominic do it because he was the first person, apparently, all weekend to hit the wall with his hand. Ouch. I have, I have video proof of this. It was hilarious watching because, like, <laughs> basically they put the thing on his head and they put the headphones on. And he's, like, he's in another universe. He's in Star yeah. Wars. And he can't communicate with anybody. He can't see anything. And the guy that's there with us is just like standing there, like watching thing. And he's like doing all these movements. You're like, oh gosh, <laughs> we're kind of laughing at him the whole time. And then next thing you know, he starts fighting the wall. Um, and the guy had to back him up. <laughs> well, we'll have to get Mr. Jones on here sometime to talk about Vader Immortal. But oh yeah. Going going back to Fallen Order, were you at? that panel by any chance or did you see stuff kind of in retrospect i didn't i uh i saw a kind of thing and it's funny if you're not in a panel you kind of don't see anything because the internet kind of sucks in the convention center and there's like it's hard to like sit down and and watch stuff and hear it so like i watched it with like no sound like at first just the trailer but i started hearing things i start like oh i saw like pictures and of course like Cameron Monaghan like came out on stage at the Star Wars show. Even though I wasn't there, I kind of heard it and people were, like talking about it and like, oh yeah, I recognize that guy. He's from from Gotham. Like that's cool. Um, so it, there was definitely there was a big when that panel dropped. There was a lot of buzz about me. People were really excited, and I had some my my friend Jared. He was like ecstatic. He was just all over it. He got to the panel and loved it. So yeah, it was. There was a lot of a lot of love going around for the band just for being a quote unquote video game. Like there was a lot of hype for it. Well, I mean that's the interesting thing about about gaming these days is it, it there, there's a lot of things that you can use to describe a video game, mm-hmm. and one of the biggest ones is microtransactions. Like it, it's rampant with EA and it's just rampant with a lot of games. Aside from Nintendo, just about everybody falls victim to microtransactions 
it's just a thing yeah. that you kind of put up with, you kind of deal with. And the fact that they're promising no microtransactions in this game, I think, is one of the big selling points. It's one of the big talking points. But let's face it, that's been a big moneymaker since microtransactions came into existence. It's a way to increase your profit by a very large percentage, and people still buy it, even though it's not necessarily required, but you kind of get your arm twisted into doing it anyway so that you can play the game more efficiently. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're promising you a, a way to play the game efficiently without having to buy anything is impressive. Because you have to think about all of the attention and detail that goes into it on the first run-through. There's not going to be any... As far as I know, there's not going to be any DLCs, right? Um... I don't know. I mean, I, I, I assume not. I think they're trying to get away from that as far as, like, I think they would really catch a lot of flack if they, if they said, you know, no, you know, you know, stuff like that and then start coming around with, oh, here's a DLC that you can pay for. Right. They're trying to get away from that. Right. And so the fact that it's going to be all put into just one game in one hit you had to put in months, if not years, of development in order to get it to the point where as soon as you release it, that is it. You're yes. not going to make any revisions. You're not going to make any changes. You're not going to put in any add-ons or DLCs or power-ups or, or moves that can try and, quote-unquote, make the game better. You're putting it out, and once it's out, it's out. That's it. Right. Right, And that's the way video games were even just 10 years ago. You know, I, I don't want to use... I, I guess I will. I'll, I'll use Star Wars Battlefront 2 from uh, from the olden days. The old original LucasArts Battlefront 2. Yeah, II. yeah. That game had everything in it right then and there. You knew what you were getting in for, and you played it and enjoyed it for what it was, and there wasn't anything else that could be added onto it. That was the game. You bought it, you played it, you knew what was expected from it, and that was it. And I know that there's like multiplayer and online capabilities and things like that, but I never played The Force Unleashed and I never played KOTOR. I have my reasons, but I, I never played those single-player games. So the best example I've got is Battlefront 2, because I had it on the PlayStation 2 back when I had a PS2, and I also now have it on my Xbox One, just buying it and downloading it to my system. Xbox released a whole lot of their old, original Xbox gaming consoles games, and I just bought Battlefront 2 and downloaded it for like 10 bucks. Yeah. And now I get to play that game whenever I want. I had this awesome campaign on Utapau the other day. It was literally down to like three... It was It was droids against the republic and i was the republic my health was down below 50 percent okay like oh it was really low and there were three droids left in the campaign and just me it was it was my one unit the reason i lost my health was because i was trying to get to a command post so that i wouldn't lose uh, through this, through the rule about if you don't have control of CPs, then you lose. You know what I mean? So I went and I captured a command post on the far end of the map. 
and uh, to get there, I had to go past a tank. Oh. And they were shooting at me, and they came really close to getting rid of me. And I took the CP, and um, this the I, actually I think it was a five on one at that point. It was it was five droid units against me, and two at twice a super battle droid tried to come towards the CP, and twice I had to knock them out. And that wow. took it down. That took it down to three units, but the tank was still shooting at me. I had some cover. And I kept ducking out from that cover to try and uh, and shoot at it, but my uh, my grenades weren't doing squat to it, you know. <laughs> but then yeah. I remembered you can change units at the command post, so I switched to uh, a clone that like a, a heavy trooper clone with a right. rocket launcher, mm-hmm. and I had to keep ducking in and out of my cover to try and shoot at the tank. Unfortunately. My gonk droid was disabled. Oh, boy. So I couldn't refill. I had six shots to work with, and I had to make every shot count. Yikes. And I kept popping out from behind my cover and shooting at it and hitting it, and they kept shooting at me, and I had to duck away again. And then I would pop back out, shoot at it, duck away again. I finally got that sucker on, like, (laughs) rocket five or six. (laughs) And apparently the tank counts as one unit and the droid that was within it counted as another unit. So it went from being a three-on-one match to a one-on-one match. Damn. The entire map. If you've played Utapau, it's pretty big. Oh, it's huge, yeah. The entire map. My unit and one droid unit. That was it. And my biggest fear was that it was like a sniper hiding up on a on a rooftop or something like that. And I had no clue where it was. And so my method was to just go from CP to CP and slowly take one at a time. Because if it is a sniper, then it's not at any of the command posts and I could win by taking the command posts. If it isn't a sniper, then it's going to recognize that I'm taking those command posts and will try and take it back. As soon as I see one of my command posts flashing and trying to convert to the enemy, I run there and I take them out. So I had like this whole strategy in mind as to what I was going to do. And I just one by one kept taking command post, command post, command post. And they never came after any of my CPs. And I'm thinking, oh, great. It's got to be a glitch then. There, 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 there's nobody here. It's just me and I'm taking all the command posts. This is great. I make it all the way across the map. One command post left. Mind you, by this point, I found a medical droid, and I'm back up to full health. But I only have my one unit and one command post left, and who's standing between me and that CP but a Magna Guard? Oh, boy. Now, granted, they're not as tough to take out as droidicas are, but they're still pretty tough because their secondary power-up is one of those floating uh, remote droids, and they can shoot at you with actual blaster bolts. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so it's basically a two-on-one, except it's just one unit against one unit. And finally I was like, you know what, to hell with this. I either win or I lose. And I just charged at that son of a bitch, gun blazing. <laughs> oh, boy. 
And I didn't need to take the CP because I took him out. <laughs> oh, boy. And I swear to you, that was probably the most intense, fun match I've played on Battlefront 2 in a long time. Because I always, I always look at that 150 versus 150 as a you-control-your-own-destiny situation. If you're able to take out more than the opponent is able to take out of your units, then you control the outcome of that campaign, of that battle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it literally came all the way down to 1v1, and I won. Nice. I don't know how I ended up on that tangent. I was just thinking about Battlefront 2 and then thinking about Fallen Order. I don't I don't really know. <laughs> uh, our friend Jeff says, I never thought we'd get a detailed editorial slash story from Zach on a video game. I'm impressed. Yeah, you're welcome. The only other time I could do that is if I was narrating what I did during my uh, campaign for Larry Boy, the video game, <laughs> on the oh, PlayStation no. 2. Oh, my God. The story mode for that game is stupid. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. But I'm not going to get started on that. I want to get your thoughts on Fallen Order before we mm -hmm. close it out. I'm, okay. I'm excited enough that I feel like I would buy it if I had the time and the money to actually sit down and play it. I, I know that you don't necessarily play a whole lot of games that much either, so I'm curious what your take is on it just from what they're promising and what the story looks like, I guess. Yeah, and see, yeah, I, I'm in a similar situation as as some of you know. I, I put it out to for a debate, you know, a couple years ago, I think at this point. Um, I mean, at you know, least two years ago. Yeah, I think at least two years ago when I asked, like, should I get a PlayStation Four or an Xbox, and everyone has an opinion about this. Um, and I was leaning towards PlayStation, and then like a vast majority of people said, get PlayStation. Um, and so I like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'll get a PlayStation. And then I'm like, do I really have time for this? And the answer is no, <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I yeah. just don't have time for video games. Like, so it was kind of like, I'm just, gonna, I'm going to wait on this. I'm going to wait and see how it works out. And I'm still open to the idea of getting a PlayStation, hopefully, um, maybe, maybe whatever PlayStation five or whatever comes out at some point. I'll get that, maybe. I don't know. But, like, so I'm only so excited about this because I know there's there's not a whole lot of chance that I'm going to actually get to play Fallen Order. At the same time, I'm looking forward to watching people play it and I'm just looking forward to the story. And it looks great. It looks like the game we've all been waiting for. Regardless if, you know, you're really going to get into this or not, I think this is going to be the game that gamers are really going to be excited about and people are excited about it. And so that, that excites me, like... Seeing people that are really into video games just falling over themselves about this game really gets me excited. So, like, so I'm definitely invested in this game and the story and seeing how that, all that works out. And just the imagery with that about the fact that in the trailer you see them taking apart, like, salvaging an old Jedi cruiser from Clone Wars. Like, yep. that was really cool. Um, just getting into that era, which is not something we, we really haven't seen a whole lot. Like, that era right after Revenge of the Sith has not been, you know, explored that much. So I'm I'm looking forward to, like, getting a story about a Jedi, kind of full 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 force 
into that, pun intended, you know, getting into, like, what it was like for Jedi to actually survive. Like, the closest we've gotten is, like, A New Dawn, the very first canon book um, with Kanan. But other than that, we haven't. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, getting to live out the aftermath of Order 66 is probably one of the, the bigger things that I'm excited about. But also just the grit that seems to be associated with this. Because if mm-hmm. I if I remember correctly, there's like a tagline that's associated with it, but I can't remember what the tagline is off the top of my head. Uh, but it's basically like, don't stand out, essentially. Mm-hmm. It, it's talking about, you know, don't, don't stand out more than you have to and... Uh, don't create too many friends or too many enemies. Why am I having such a hard time remembering this? I had four glasses of wine before the show, so I apologize. Oh, my memory, okay. My memory is... I, I'm surprised I've made it this far. <laughs> um, I was I was part of a very uh, traditional ritual Passover meal with, uh. Uh, with with some friends of mine who are who are Jewish. And uh, they they treated me to all the ins and outs of of the of the tradition, but that includes at certain points having a a uh, glass of wine, uh-huh. and uh, apparently you do that four times. And so four times I had a glass of wine, and I was like, "Ooh!" <laughs> so I'm sipping on water to to get myself uh, a little bit more cleared up. But <laughs> the like I said, the grit that comes from Jedi Fallen Order is one of the things that that really got to me because, um, you know, the, there's there's a certain aesthetic that's associated with the aftermath of Order sixty six, and to have that with Cal Crestus's character in such a deliberate way is uh, is really cool to see. So mm-hmm. I'm totally. I'm excited for what they're going to do. I'm hopeful that EA is actually going to do it right. Everything that they said at Chicago sounded good. Like, they said all the right words. But now we've got to wait and see if they're actually going to follow through on it. Yep, totally. I just whipped up some grapes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh. Well, okay, there's there's a couple more things. Uh, Yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're, they're all TV-related. Right, right. But let's let's talk about the TV portion on the flip side of the break, shall we? Sure, sure. We're going we're going to stop real quick for a a small commercial and program identification and we will be right back to wrap up this discussion of Star Wars Celebration right after this. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all. This is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other 
podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Star Wars, Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends, Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? We are back, continuing our discussion of the Star Wars Celebration Chicago 2019 recap. Uh, ben, you were there mm-hmm. in person, and mm-hmm. uh, as I understand it, you were present for both of these panels that we're about to talk about, correct? Yes, so these happened simultaneously, not simultaneously, but they happened back-to-back, essentially. Consecutively. Um, consecutively. That's the word I was looking hey. for. There you go. There you go. I'm not always good I can words. words. Even on wine, I can words. Yay. Okay, so Mandalorian happened in the morning. So that was the first panel. That was the lottery panel that you had to get in that, that I actually won to get into, which was pretty awesome. Um, and then after that, there was, it was an hour or so in between the panels. So after that, there was an Alan Tudyk panel, which was awesome. He's always funny and awesome. And uh, he, he talked a lot about Star Wars, but also talked a lot about Firefly, which was great. Oh, and, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you was, got Firefly nostalgia from Alan Tudyk? There was a lot of people cheering on Firefly in that arena. Like, a lot of people were like... Well, yeah, dude. I mean, Firefly is basically Solo a Star Wars story before Solo a Star Wars story. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty like, much. I Like, when I tell people about Firefly and they're asking me about it, and I know that they're Star Wars fans, I'm like, it's basically the adventures of Han Solo. Yeah, it is. Basically. <laughs> like, totally I, is. That's that's really cool. I didn't know that you were at the Alan Tudyk panel, but that's that's really cool. I mean, I I let's face it, on any given like, I would have wanted to be there like under any circumstance, but like normally speaking, panels like that you have to skip because there's something else more important going on because right whatever. But the fact that we had to sit through it to get through 
the Clone Wars panel, which happened immediately afterwards. Um, so that was three panels back to back. We basically stayed in that arena the entire day, um, which wasn't bad because we had pretty good seats and uh, it was awesome. So first of Did all, did you ma- have like food accommodations or something? You talk about being there all day. After a while, I'd get hungry. Well, okay, so it was basically you have the convention center, which is a huge thing, and then across the street there's the Wintrust Arena, and this is a self-contained building, and it's like a basketball arena or something like that. Like it's full, pretty... fully, fully stocked. You've got um, concessions, bathrooms, everything. Um, as long as somebody was, you had somebody in your group to watch your seat, you could get up, which I did a lot. Um, and, you know, take a break, go get something to eat, whatever. Um, and they even had, they were even selling these cups at Celebration where they were $22 a piece, these plastic cups. But that sounds bad but until you realize those cups had free refills for the entirety of the weekend. What? So you could buy a cup and carry it with you and you could refill it Anywhere in the convention center, including Wintrust, all weekend free for t- twenty-two bucks. Wow! Yep, and it's a nice like collector's cup, like celebration on it. Darth Vader looks really cool. I mean, you're there Thursday through like Monday, right? Yep, five days. So that's five days. Twenty-two bucks divided by five days. That's four dollars and forty cents a day. For that cup, for free refills. I mean, even if you use it twice in the same day, you have more than paid it off. Yeah, and see, where we were at the Star Wars Underworld booth, which is where I spent most of my time... Y'all were um, close to the food court, weren't you? Exactly. Like, there was, there's I free, saw that on the free map. fountain systems jealous. just sitting there, like, literally, like, a 20-second walk away from the booth. So, like, it was a no-brainer. Um, and you could take those cups and get them refilled at the Wintrust, which was great. That's cool. But That's really cool. Getting back to the panels. Yeah, and, tell and, us about the Mandalorian. Tell, so, us, tell us about the vibe that you got from that room. Because that was one thing I was kind of nervous about was like, is this going to be well received? Is it going to live up to the hype? I, I wasn't sure what the reaction was going to be. Yeah, well, it's funny because I've been very critical of the Episode Nine panel. Because they were very hush hush, tight lipped about things. They it almost turned into this game where like even Kathleen Kennedy and JJ Abrams like we don't want to say anything or whatever, and it basically turned into just this hour of them leading up to the trailer, and they didn't want to say anything about the movie, which kind of kind of ticked me off. Well, whatever. I'm not going to get into that right now. But <laughs> but on the flip side of that, the Mandalorian panel was nothing of the sorts. It was John Favreau and Dave Filoni come on the stage. Kathleen Kennedy introduced them. Then they introduced um Pedro Pascal, Gina Carano, and Carl Weathers, who are playing characters and they're they're the primary characters in the show. And they proceeded to just put on this great panel talking about various aspects. They, you know, talked about I again I haven't rewatched the panel on the live stream, so I, I've only heard this stuff once, so I can't remember. I know they, they talked about the ship's name, they, they revealed the names of the characters, talked about who the characters are. Um, they went into the behind the scenes of the show, talked about the fact that the, like, the ship scenes in space 
are not CGI. They're actually practical. Like they used real models of the ships and photographed them like they would back in the day, like practical stuff, um, which is crazy. And they like showed a whole behind the scenes reel of how they did that and how they created the models. And like they were really open with it. Then they showed a full on like behind the scenes reel. And all this stuff is on YouTube, I should say. It's all out there because Favreau was like, you know, as I said, like, oh, I'm sorry. I should have told, told you to begin with that you weren't supposed to film that. Oh, well, oops. Well, everybody filmed it. And so you got the behind the scenes reel. Then they proceeded to show a clip uh, that you can also see, which is basically the Mandalorian paid, played by Pedro Pascal. Um, he's meeting with Carl Weathers. And then he walks to the street, and there's someone who is barbecuing a quacky monkey lizard. No joke. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. As another quacky monkey lizard looks on in horror, um, and then he goes to see Werner Herzog, and then there's Omid Abtahi, I think is his name. Um, he walks in, gives the Mandalorian, kind of freaks him out, and there's a kind of standoff. Um, Werner Hogzog is apparently some kind of Imperial Moth or something like that. It's a big wig, and they're kind of making a deal with whatever, trying to get a bounty or whatever. Um, and that scene kind of ends. Really great scene. Um, some of the dialogue is a bit, it's, it, it's a bit much in regards to, like, it's a lot of references to, like, that, but it was still really well-acted scene, and Pedro Pascal never takes the mask off. Um, still has it. And then there's also, at the very end, there is a teaser trailer that is fantastic. You see IG-33 or whatever his name is. It's not AG-88. It's another droid, but it looks oh, like... Oh, of course like, not. Uh, yeah, of course. Apparently voiced by Taika Waititi, as we've talked about. Um, you see him fighting. You see the Mandalorian kicking ass. You see you know, a Stormtrooper's helmet getting destroyed. Um, there is a bunch of stuff. Gina Carano being a badass. Um, you have Werner Herzog talking about... like This is like five years after... Return of the Jedi, and Werner Hogsdog had this big speech about, like, you know, are things really more peaceful now since the revolution? Are things better for you? Because you had this revolution, you didn't like the Empire. I think things were better during the Empire because things are kind of like hell now because since, you know, the quote-unquote New Republic took over. Um, so really fascinating stuff. And you can watch the entire panel, I think, is on YouTube and the other clips that were not shown to the public, quote-unquote, um, are all over YouTube, and you can find those on the And I'll maybe, um, I won't link to them, because we might get in trouble, but you can find them if you want to look for them. Yeah, I mean, it's not that difficult to be able to find them. I mean, if no. I can find them, you guys can find them. <laughs> <laughs> but that sequence with Carl Weathers offering the Mandalorian different bounties and his processing, you know, which ones he would prefer to go after versus which ones he doesn't. Um, it felt it felt very reminiscent of certain episodes of the Clone Wars, where you, you're seeing the criminal underground and they're deciding on bounties to go after, and they're just looking at a screen and they're like, nope, nope, nope. Oh, <laughs> this one looks good. You know, it, it reminded me of that just a little bit, and then seeing him go from that to meeting with uh, Werner Herzog's character was really interesting. Cause like you said, the new Republic is still there, but he's open. He opens the door at this place and there's like f four or five stormtroopers. 
Right. And and so you've got this interesting dynamic where, you know, at one point he he draws his weapons and uh, they they tell him to, to put them away. And one of the troopers very arrogantly says, we outnumber you four to one. And Pedro Pascal just kind of turns and you could tell that he's smirking, even though he's underneath the helmet. You know that he's smirking. And he goes, <laughs> I like those odds. And I was just like sold right there. You know, not only is, is Carl Weathers a great actor, and not only is Werner Herzog legendary, but that kind of writing is just spellbinding. It's fantastic. And, and so everything that I saw, everything that I ended up seeing in the aftermath made me realize, you know what? There's a very good chance I may end up more interested in The Mandalorian than Episode Nine, Because yeah. it's it's all new characters, all new stories, all new takes, all new timeline. It's everything about it is new, including the streaming service and the fact that it's a live action TV series, which is the first time they've done that in the Star Wars universe. Everything about The Mandalorian is new, and everything about it so far is something that I am completely on board with. It looks awesome. It looks it. it I think you could easily fool people and tell them this is a movie. It looks like a movie. It, oh, yeah. It looks like the quality. Like, there's one shot. There's one shot in the the final teaser where you see, like, someone f- falling in water. It That one little shot kind of caught me as, like, look kind of TV, kind of low budget. Like, fan filmy to me. Just, just think. That just, just struck me. First time I saw it, and every time I watch it, it kind of sticks out to me. Other than that, the rest of it looks amazing. You have... IG-33 or whatever it is, like, he's kicking ass, he's, like, firing all things, I assume he's all CGI, he looks amazing, like, you have some really intense fight scenes, um, like I said, like, one, at one point, someone is, like, swinging a baton, and it, like, hits a stormtrooper, but instead of, like, just, you know, throwing the stormtrooper aside, like, his entire, like, bottom of his helmet just shatters, like, we've never seen that before in Star yeah. Wars. Um, yeah, that's true. It's really impressive. Like, the, the production value, they obviously, this is not some low-budget TV show. They have a lot of money behind this, and it, it and it shows the amount of stuff. And another thing I want to point out is the fact that, speaking of Stormtroopers, apparently on set one day, they needed a lot of Stormtroopers, and they didn't have enough. They didn't, and, of course, like, it's a... It's a production. Like, they only have so many Stormtrooper costumes on set. And Dave Filoni jokingly says on stage, he's like, well, I know a lot of Stormtroopers. So they literally called up the 501st, which is, for those who don't know, the charity group that's all fan-run. No way. So they call them up and say, hey, we need a bunch of Stormtroopers down here. And they're shooting in L.A. And the guys and men and women come to the set have no idea what they're getting themselves into, and they tell them, hey, you're going to be in Star Wars. And they go, and they did it, and they literally have members of the 501st with their fan-made Stormtrooper costumes in this show. And they said that it was amazing because they didn't have to train them, didn't have to you know, explain to them what was going on. They fit right in. They knew how to sh- hold their blasters, how to march, all this stuff. They, they knew how to act in Star Wars because they're Star Wars fans and they've studied this stuff and their costumes they said were even better than the ones that they made for the show 
because it's 501st, and they put a lot of love and care into them. So when you're watching the show, you're going to see real Star Wars fans, real 501st members in the show as Stormtroopers. Dude, that is awesome. That is really awesome. Although I feel like I need to to knock on the on the production team a little bit and tell them to do a little bit better with their stormtrooper <laughs> costumes, because according to sources that I've read, they put about a hundred and fifty million dollars into this first season, and this first season's expected to have eight episodes. Mm-hmm. So if you take a hundred and fifty million and divide it by eight. And that is $18,750,000 per episode. Damn. And if you divide that even more, I'm, I am I love doing this. I don't know why, but I, I take it even further. Let's say each episode is about an hour long, right? Yeah. So that's, that's 60 minutes. You take that $18.75 million, divide it by 60 minutes. That means they're putting just over $300,000 per minute into this show that's crazy that three hundred thousand dollars insane and it shows it shows look at the cinematography on this thing very true like that one shot of the mandalorian coming into that place and you just see a shadow like stunning stunning looks so good well, and again, like I was talking about with Fallen Order, it's got a very gritty feel to it. It, it feels almost like the Moss Eisley spaceport from A New Hope. It, it feels very dark, but not physically dark, more like emotionally dark. Well, and you, you know, it's funny. You know that it's, it's not pristine, it's not clean, it's not perfect. They actually capture that essence really well. What's funny you mentioned Moss Eisley. Um,. I am 99% sure that cantina we see in one of the teasers is the Mos Eisley Cantina. It wouldn't surprise me. It looked just like it. I can't I can't imagine. And we've, like, they go to that cantina in the Clone Wars, like, several times. So, like, it kind of shows up in other things. So, I think they're obviously on Tatooine. We're going to go to that cantina. It stands to reason. Uh, it would it would not surprise me one bit, not a bit. No. But, um, geez, man, everything that we saw the 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 scene, the uh, the teaser, the the sizzle reel with you know just different shots and sequences and you know testimonials, you can tell just how passionate everybody is about this project. You can tell just how enthusiastic everybody is to be a part of this. And if I remember looking at Instagram feeds correctly, didn't George Lucas show up on the set at one point? He did. Yes, there was. There was even footage in one of the the the, the things for it showed uh, George on set. So he was there at some point and uh, visited the set and was checking it out. Um, and apparently he's doing that a lot these days because he apparently he was on the Game of Thrones set. So yeah. And here's here's the funny thing. He used his connections to request to go there. He wasn't, like, invited or anything like that. He reached out to David Benioff and and, uh, D.B. Weiss and asked if he could come observe. Can you imagine that? You're, you're like, you're you're creating one of the, like, the biggest shows ever and then one of the biggest, like, 
creators ever calls up like, hey, I want to visit your TV set. Man, that would have been such a cool thing. And I'm sure that they collaborated a little bit on uh, the new trilogy that those two guys are going to be working on in the Star Wars universe. But uh, from from what I read, he actually helped uh, direct Amelia Clark and Kit Harrington during one of their scenes in that first episode. Boy, Amelia Clark's just getting in all these days. She got right? she, you know that's the second time she's been directed by George Lucas. She was directed in Solo as well, I guess. Yeah, the 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 makeout scene in Lando's closet. That was directed by George Lucas. Oh, you got to remind me of that scene, do you? <laughs> I'd nearly forgotten it. Thank you. It's what oh, I'm here well. for. Oh, well. The Mandalorian is expected to be part of the uh, Disney Plus release when it officially launches November the 12th, I believe. But from what I understand, not all of the episodes are going to be available on the launch day. So it's not going to be a binge situation. It's going to be like once a week you get a new episode. And uh, in my mind, I feel like that's a better business model because it means if it does have eight episodes – you're keeping people subscribed to Disney Plus for two months instead of a week. Right. And so, you know, our, our friend Chris said it's great for engagement because then you have more to talk about each week and get involved with the community and talk to people and stuff like that. And, yeah, that is a part of it. But I think it also has to do with, you know, you want people to explore the rest of what Disney Plus has to offer. I'm doing that right now with my HBO Now subscription. I'm checking out what other shows are on there because I'm waiting week to week for a new episode of Game of Thrones to drop. And so I'm going to make the most of my money, make the most of my opportunities, and see what else is there in the meantime. And I think that's what Disney Plus wants you to do is take a look at some of the other content, some of the other superhero movies, some of the other TV shows. They're going to have all 30 seasons of The Simpsons on there. You know, Look at all of the other stuff that they have while you're waiting for new episodes of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm hopeful, and it's really cool because I think Fallen Order comes out just a few days after that, like on the fifteenth. And so, November twelfth, you're going to have Disney Plus, the first episode of The Mandalorian. November fifteenth, you're going to have Jedi Fallen Order, and then not even a month after that, we're getting The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So Insane. I mean. November into December is going to be an insane month for the Star Wars franchise, and I am here for all of it. Absolutely. Sitting right here until I hear it, get, until it gets here. Seriously, just eating popcorn and sitting on the edge of my seat. <laughs> so much now, Star Wars. Yeah, and we're not even done talking about Star Wars, but nope. my question for you, I, I haven't been doing as much investigating on this, but what is what is, like... The information that you've figured out or that you've acquired regarding this new season of the Clone Wars, because we know that it's coming to Disney Plus, but are they going to do it in an episodic format like The Mandalorian? Are they going to put it all out there to binge at once? What do you know or what do you feel like is going to happen when it comes to new Clone Wars content on that streaming service? I don't know how reliable the source is, but I there was a report going around the other day that said that Disney Plus will not be releasing full seasons all at once. It will be released episode by episode each week. And I assume that goes for all of it. Oh, boy. So, which I, I'm happy about. 
I'm really happy about it. I'm I'm I don't want it all just dropped at once. I want to be able to savor each episode. Nah. I, you want it all at once. You're a binger, aren't nah. you? Nah. I'm a binger. I don't have time for that, man. If I had time for that, I'd still be watching network programming. I'd still be watching the Arrow. I'd still be watching the Flash. If I had time to watch something week by week and actually set aside time to do something like that, great. I would do it. But my free time comes in blocks. And it lines up perfectly with binges. I'm I'm doing it for Game of Thrones because I have to do it for Game of Thrones, you know? But if they were all released, I'd be done watching them by now. Well, you know, someone did, I can't remember who said this, but some someone suggested today that maybe they'll release them by arc. That would maybe, be cool. Maybe you'll get cuz you'll get that would break that would kind of be a happy medium because there's going to be three arcs. And so you could get like for 3 weeks you get one arc, one arc, one arc. And you know, the arc kind of play like movies anyway. So it would make sense to kind of like watch them all in order and you would still kind of get the the full experience of like three weeks in a row, Clone Wars is like trending is a big thing. Like that, it's good for marketing and it's good for like discussion on like discussion to keep that stuff going because if you drop it all at once, then that means like people just watch it and then move on to the next thing. Whereas you can kind of keep people's attention week after week. Yeah, that's true. I I'd be okay with arcs. I would be okay with um. I'd be okay with if, if they did something like. Um, half one month and half the next month or something like that because it's 12 episodes isn't it yes it's 12 episodes they confirm that yeah it, it's it's 12 episodes and it's probably going to be three uh four episode arcs so you know we we could do it in a number of different ways you could do two episodes and then the other two you could do all four over the course of three weeks or something like that but waiting for it week to week I just don't have the patience for that anymore, man. Like yeah. it's been it's probably been like 2 months since I've watched Bob's Burgers, which means I've got 2 months of Bob's Burgers episodes that I can go ahead and binge and get caught up on. That's just that's just the way that I watch TV nowadays. I hear you. I hear you. Um and for those who don't know, the three arcs that are going to be coming up are so you've got the um Bad Batch arc mm-hmm. that was teased in the first trailer. You've got an Ahsoka Underworld arc. Going to be kind of her life goings on after she left the Order. And then the third arc is the Siege of Mandalore, which we all expected. Which is going to be kind of the ending for Ahsoka. The lead into Revenge of the Sith, assumingly. Um, And they confirmed that, yes, she will be facing off against Darth Maul. As we see in the trailer. Um, And what's even, what sweetens that deal is that they confirmed that Ray Park, they got him back to do mocap, motion capture, performance for that. So in that fight, and Dave Filoni stressed that they're trying to make that the biggest and best lightsaber duel of the entire series. And to do that, they got Ray Park to actually perform the scene. So when you're watching Darth Maul fighting Ahsoka with a double-bladed lightsaber, I might add, it's going to be Ray Park actually performing that motions. Wow. I'm telling just you. when I just when I thought it couldn't be topped. I'm telling you. Know? you. Yeah, it's great. His his choreography is still some of the best choreography I've seen in any movie, period. That that guy still has the moves. He you, you see him in a con no, he totally or something like does. that. 
like he it what was sad was like he came to uh like people were like wanting him to do stuff at, like photo ops they told him he couldn't like but but he's like still wanting to do like all the flips and stuff like that like he's still got all the energy and he's still so fit he's like he looks just as good as he did back when he did episode 1 well, and the, the cool thing is, we've actually seen videos of that from previous cons. Our friend uh, Nicolette brought her double-bladed yellow saber to a, to a convention that he was at. I want to say it was Celebration Anaheim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, she was just standing there, like, watching because people had, like, formed a circle around him and, like, were talking to him and stuff. He saw the saber and offered to show off some of his stuff. Like he wants to perform. He is a performer at heart. Oh yeah, if you you people will like bring him lightsabers and he's like, "Oh, can I try this out?" Like he he just he's like so much energy and he just always he's just like a big kid. And I mean, isn't that kind of what Star Wars is about? Exactly, exactly. Reliving your childhood or extending your childhood and getting paid to do something that you absolutely love. Like how cool is that? He's it's so great. Yeah, he embodies that. Such a great ambassador for the fans too. He really is. He really is. And so before before we, we close, I, I wanna get your thoughts on the bad batch. Mm-hmm. Because I've been excited for experimental clone unit ninety nine for a while now. Yes. Ever ever since we saw the the principal uh, developmental reel with the voiceovers that were provided, you know, like two years ago or something like that. I have enjoyed that arc that wasn't even fully rendered more than over half of the arcs that were rendered. You know? It's a good arc. It's a really it, good arc. It's a really good story, and seeing it brought to reality, even for a couple of minutes, really really got me excited i don't know if i was the only one though please tell me i wasn't the only one that enjoyed seeing them like that oh no it was great i remember i it's funny they showed a clip of the scene where the bad batch and this is not really a spoiler the, the stuff's out there i don't want to spoil it because there is some pretty big stuff that happens in in all the stuff that's been kind of out there because they did release the bad batch arc specifically um but there's that one scene when they they've crash landed they're on an axis i think and they crash land, and, like, I think Rex and Cody are, like, hanging back, like, oh, we got to do this, and, like, the Bad Batch is like, nah, nah, we're going to do this our own way. And, like, they, they run it like an army of droids. They take them all out. Like, they're just the biggest badasses you've ever seen, and it's so great. I remember that scene from, like, originally watching it because I got to see that entire arc on the big screen, even though it wasn't finished, back in Celebration Anaheim. Because they were like convinced at that point that the show was never coming back, so they may as well just show us these unfinished episodes. So that's how we watched them. It was fantastic to kind of come full circle and see that specific scene back on the big screen, fully realized, fully animated, and with everything looked amazing, as you can see on the live stream, and you can look it up, um, and just see that whole thing. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that one. And they've done some minor changes. I'm curious to see, like, how different it might be because uh, the Ahsoka Underworld arc was originally going to... She was going to encounter a a guy that lived in the Underworld or whatever. She's going to, like, hang out with him or whatever. And it turns out they've changed that up so that now the, that character's been changed into two 
sisters. So the stuff that was already established, they kind of revealed, they're kind of changing it up to kind of like, you know, having more diversity too, but also kind of making it more, you know, unpredictable. So that that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a direct copy and paste because the Utapau arc isn't even going to be a part of it, is it? At least not yet. And is, uh, maybe maybe not in maybe not in the context that we know it to be in either or something. And see, like and that. really quick, I want to bring up something, and I talked about this with Jeff earlier um, on Hype Watch. Hype function. Sorry, <laughs> we've got a watch coming up, but yes. just a little bit, a little bit ways out. But there was, I could be totally wrong. I may have missed something, but there was at no point during this panel did they say this was the final episodes. At no point did they say okay. this is the finale. They said. It's just 12 episodes. So I'm holding out hope that this is not the last of Clone Wars, that they're going to do this, they're going to see how it works. And that's why I keep telling people, go watch it. Go sign up for Disney+, Plus, pay the money. It's going to be relatively cheap. It's going to be well worth your money. It's going to have every single Disney movie and Fox movie ever on it anyway, so it's going to be worth your money anyway. But the day Clone Wars comes out, crash that thing. Everybody go watch it. Go on every screen you have in your in your home and go put on Clone Wars. Crash Disney Plus and tell them we want more. I guarantee you it'll happen. Well, dude, that, that's what I've been thinking is, as well. There's just so much popularity involved in it. There's so much nostalgia attached to it. It's so well written. It's so well designed. It's got such great characters. Mm-hmm. If it gets the right number of hits... If it gets the right popularity on social media, if enough people watch it, Disney will be convinced that this is something the fans want more of, and we will get more of it. I know that there's not a whole lot you can actually talk about in three canonical years of warfare. Is it three or five? Three. I'm I be- yeah, pretty, I sure, it- pretty sure they settled on three. I believe it's three. And so, you know, chronologically, you've got three years to work with, and we're getting seven seasons of material, at least. But I'd be okay if we had 10, 11, 12 seasons, if I'm being totally honest with you. Yeah. I eat that stuff up. Also, in the teaser, did you notice that every clone Rex listed as brothers who had fallen, they were from the Domino Squad? Yes. He talked about fives. He talked about Echo. He talked about Heavy. Dude, that Rookies episode is still my favorite episode in the entire series. I love that that story might continue in these episodes. Might. Right, because the original Bad Batch arc was centered around Echo, I believe. Yes, it was. Yes, you're right. He I know, I know. I'm I'm spoiling a little bit, but honestly, if it's, you've seen... It's if out it, there. It's been online it's for there. two years, people. Come on. It's out there. It's out there. But there there may be some changes. Who knows? But yeah. Right, right. That's why I, I, I said, I that's why it, I said it the should, first one was centered it should around be it. There's common, no telling. It should be common knowledge by now that, yes, Echo does survive. He was the last of the Domino Squad, presumed dead, back in season three, I think. And yep. yeah, that's when he literally blew up and then man because because no one ever really dies in the show admiral trench is back he got a missile to the face and he's back so no one's ever really gone no they're not uh, this story is trying to prove that even more and more man, but man. you know i'm not i'm not complaining i'm not either i am not I am, at all i am not complaining so which of those three arcs 
do you feel like you're most looking forward to then? I kind of gave away which one I'm looking forward to. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited about the Siege of Mandalore. I'm excited to see Ahsoka return. The the clones uh, putting her uh, her face on their helmets almost made me cry. Mm-hmm. But but the Bad Batch is just something that I've been looking forward to for so long. Uh, anything else just kind of pales in comparison. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I I think we have to go with CG Mandalore. Like you have the yeah. one clip of uh, Ahsoka with with the troopers and like the paintings on their helmets of her yep. markings, and then you of course have that tease at the very end of the trailer of Maul versus Ahsoka, which is okay. Been so I'm so looking forward to. You know what else was teased just ever so slightly. And I don't know if many people caught it. Maybe they did, and I just haven't been on the right chat forums to see it yet. But I'm pretty sure the Battle of Coruscant was teased as well. Was it? I, I may be. I may be wrong, but I feel like one of the space battle sequences that we saw while Yoda is talking is it showed... near the beginning or the end of the trailer? I, I think it was closer to the middle. I could be mistaken. You'll have, to send you know me a, you'll have to send me a screenshot later. I'd like to see this. There, there is some, there's some shots of an axis from the air that kind of look like Coruscant. But you, okay. may be, you may be onto something. I'd like to see it, that. I haven't it, watched the trailer that much, to be honest. It might be an axis. You know, it, it very well could be because they, the two do resemble each other when you're only looking at one or two frames, you know? Right. But the the configuration and the way that it looked like such a big atmospheric dogfight, it reminded me so much of the Battle of Coruscant. But I'm I may be completely mistaken. I was completely mistaken last week about um, the the ATST noise that I swore was there, and then <laughs> I actually listened to the Rise of Skywalker teaser one more time. And I found out, oh, that's not an ATST breathing. Uh, that's not an ATST stepping. That's Ray breathing. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, geez, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I I stuck with it as much as I could, and I went with it. But I uh, I really I really screwed the pooch on that one. So it happens. I wouldn't I it wouldn't happens. I wouldn't trust everything that I say with a hundred percent accuracy because sometimes. Uh, the truths that we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Yep. Love it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a lot of stuff to happen in just a short amount of time. I mean, like you said, there were there were panels, there were visitors, there were teasers and trailers and clips and live performances and live podcasts and a ton of meetups. And, I, I mean, what... What was your biggest takeaway from your time in Chicago, dude? I mean, I know you took up a lot, but like what was what was your big takeaway? Like what are you still carrying with you now that you're back home? Oh man, it's you know, it was just, you know, like I said, kind of seeing everyone, hanging out with a lot of people that you know, I, I know you know Chris Dominic. It's great to see them, but also like just other people that I except I, for me, you you were definitely missing, definitely <sighs> missed. Um, but you know also some people that I had never met before, like Katie Horn, like 
you know, so many others, you know, like Star Raptor, our, our good friend Star Raptor. I got to meet him for the first time, and he was around a lot. Um, and he was a great, great voice to have on the podcast like that. Um, and just so many others. And that's that's my big takeaway is the people. The people celebration is about people, about the fans. And it's the, that's the best thing about it is it's it's just this overwhelming experience of just people being excited about something and, and sharing in that excitement and not worrying about you know oh you think this about this movie whatever none of that it's none of that crap it's none about it's not about you know worrying about what anybody thinks about the last jedi or whatever it's about people enjoying star wars and just having a good time with it and getting to know people and you know i i Got to meet a lot of good friends this time, but also made a lot of new friends. And that's always a plus. Well, and hopefully in uh, Anaheim we'll have the opportunity to make even more friends. Absolutely. My friends list grows every time I go to one of these things because you just can't help but, you know, you you, you just run into people and, you know, it's just the thing. I can't wait for you to experience it. And hoping you can make it to Anaheim because just – Getting to hear directly from, you know, just there's nothing like getting to, you know, experience it with other people and then, you know, talking to, you know, people that are your listeners, that people that enjoy what you do and get hearing from them. There's nothing like that. It's a very humbling experience. Sounds like a lot of fun, man. Sounds like a lot of fun. And, you know, we get to have a lot of fun here on this show, even if it's not live and in person. But uh, we would be remiss if we didn't give a special thank you to those people that helped make that fun possible. Uh, these guys contribute on a regular monthly basis to help make sure that the lights stay on for us, that we can take care of our Podbean subscription, where we can distribute all of this stuff to you guys super easily. Uh, they are on for our top five episodes every now and again when their schedule allows. They are contributing in the Peacekeeper group that we have you know, every, every opportunity that we have to be engaged with these guys, they always deliver. And so a big thank you to Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott. You guys are uh, amazing patrons of this program. And if you're interested in becoming a, pro, a patron on the program so that you can have all those exclusive perks and benefits as well, then just be sure to check out patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. We could not do what we do without you guys' help. So thank you guys very much for that. It's, yeah, it's absolutely a pleasure, guys. And before I forget, go check us out on social media, at IPC podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can also listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, StarWarsUnderworld.com, and our hosting site, IPCPodcast.Podbean.com. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you feel like using. Give us a rate, a review. Give us some feedback on social media, what you like, what you didn't like, what we could do better. Uh, we're always looking to improve. And you can find us personally as well. Twitter and Instagram are two primary places, although I really haven't been on Instagram all that much lately. I do apologize for that. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. And you can find Ben on those same platforms as well. 
at Ben Hart with no E. He's a lot more active than I am. I, I don't know how you find time to do all that because your schedule is just as busy as mine, dude, and yet you come up with some killer content on social media. <laughs> I, I, I'm especially, see, like during Celebration, I just ignored everything. <laughs> I didn't post it all because, you know, most of it is like I'm so distracted with just what was going on in Celebration that I did. So I, I was doing... Yeah. A lot of the social, I was more focused on doing social media for the Star Wars Underworld, um, which I did a lot. But uh, a lot of it was also like most of the people that I talked to on social media were like right in front of my face. <laughs> so um, that's also true. It, it w- there was no need for it a lot of times. Like you know, I'm, I'm walking in. Like what was it? It was one day. It was like Friday or Saturday. I'm walking in, and I'm walking down the street to go down to the tents where you go through security to actually get into the building. And I'm just walking, and I'm like, that voice sounds familiar. I hear a vo- I, There's a voice in an area that just, it, it, dang, I've heard this voice before. I don't know where it's coming from. So I start looking around, and there's someone behind me. And I'm like, I know that voice. What is that voice? I turn around, and it's Katie Horn. And she's walking behind me, and she's talking. I'm like, I know you, and so it was great. Just like we just freaked out, like, "Hey, how's it going?" Finally, getting to meet, just happened to run into into each other. So that's just a snippet of what it's like at these things. That's cool. That's very cool. Uh, you're right, though. I need to go watch Katie's panel because we told her we too. would support her I in it, too. and. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do that live. I don't even know if it was live, but even if it wasn't, no, it, I don't think it was broadcast live. But she did record it, which is a godsend for people like us. Very true. So uh, maybe we'll find that link and post it in the show notes or something like that for you guys, so that you can have access to it as well. Always support your local podcasters. Absolutely. Um, and if you want to support us, but you don't want to commit to a monthly commitment, which we get. Even though the max you could really give is like five, ten bucks a month, it's not a whole lot. I mean, it's less than uh, a Netflix subscription. It's less than a Hulu subscription, and you're subscribing to, you know, a, a podcast that's had over 230 episodes. But I digress. <laughs> if you just want to invest in us one time, we've got some awesome merchandise available. We've got T-shirts, we've got coffee mugs, we've got notebooks, we've got throw pillows, we've got stickers, we've got all kinds of awesome stuff. Uh, it's got our primary logo, our planet logo, and our barbecue logo, all available at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. Get your IPC swag today and wear it to the next convention you go to. Heck yeah. I know I'll be wearing my stuff in Anaheim, that's for sure. And mm-hmm. I'm probably bringing stuff with me to uh, to Los Angeles for episode nine. Just putting that out there. Yep, Totally. Okay, next order of business before we call it a night. We were talking about the new season of The Clone Wars, but I think it's better if we let them do some of the talking for a bit. What do you think, Ben? I think that's totally fair. I know that, uh, like I said, I almost teared up when I watched this sequence, and I know that it was one of your favorite sequences. You, mm-hmm. you mentioned off the air that you know just seeing that, uh, in its entirety was pretty awesome. And so uh, I'm just going to let them talk about it a little bit instead of us talking. Uh, it's from one of the clips that was released during the panel for Star Wars The Clone Wars. Ladies and gents, I present to you tonight's Quote of the Night. 
Commander. Sir. They shouldn't salute me anymore. Not since I left the Order. It doesn't matter to them. It's a sign of respect. They know what you went through for them, day after day. Battle after battle. Loyalty means everything to the clones. As soon as Rex and the guys knew you were back, they got to work. The paint job's a little crude, but we think it gets the idea across. Glad to have you back, Commander. Rex, thank you. But you don't have to call me Commander anymore. Sure thing, Commander. And what you don't see in that clip is or what you see in the clip and what you couldn't see when you were hearing it, I should say, is Ahsoka being presented with a squadron of clones that are wearing, that have paint jobs that are that match her, I guess, tattoos, markings on her face? The markings um, on her face. I never knew if they were actually tattoos because they kind of grew as she grew. I thought they were just... Togruta markings. Yeah, I think they're just markings. They're just her, like, just markings for people or whatever. Um, but that's a really cool moment. It's the one that it's, it was sketched out, and they only talked about it, like, years ago. And now we're seeing it fully realized in animation. And it's actually, they the, the clip that you see in the in the panel was unfinished. And it's not completely finished, but you have full voice work that you just heard. But the animation itself is not finished. But they actually, you can see in the trailer that the clip there is completely finished and looks yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's amazing, amazing scene. Like I said, seeing their their regular armor, like the the blue and white clone armor that they usually wear, and then those orange and white helmets. It, it it clashes just a little bit, but almost like intentionally to stand out. And I I don't know, like the fact that they're doing it to commemorate her return and that kind of thing. It's just all these different emotions. And, and it was a, a brief example, like Anakin was talking about, the things that you did for them, the way that you went to battle for them day after day. It's a sign of respect. Like they were doing everything they could to actually pay their respects to her. And I think that's a really high honor that she's got her own set of troopers that are that are working with her on her mission. And not only are they assigned to her, but they are like fiercely loyal to her even though she left the Jedi order. Like it's just again, fantastic storytelling for the Clone Wars. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, I think we do still have one more fantastic story to tell before we call it a night, don't we? I guess we do, don't we? Oh, man, it's that time again. Ladies and gents, get out your hashtags. If you're listening live, and I know a few of you are, then start putting them in the chat on channel1138.com. If you are not listening live, if you're listening through all the different places I said that you could find us, uh, such as Podbean or iTunes or Google Play, then put it on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, everything else that carries a hashtag, because it's time one more time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue. Barbecue. Watch. Yeehaw. We just can't let that one go, can we? Never. Well, this whole evening has been centered around uh, memories and thoughts of stuff that happened at Celebration Chicago. Uh, it seems only fitting that we close out the night talking about anything barbecue-related that may have happened in the great state of Illinois. I'm sure there must have been uh, at least a person or two that talked to you about barbecue or had barbecue with you while you were in Chicago. Well, yes and no. There's, there's a funny thing that happened. And of course, and of course, I, I mentioned earlier that, <clears throat> and of course you, you knew this from, from me telling you, I think, that the Star Wars Underworld booth is was very close to the food court. Right. And, you know, need food to survive. So, you know, about once a day I'd wander over there and, and you know, get something to eat and, you know, to survive the day. And uh, How expensive <clears throat> was it? Um, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Okay. Um, somewhat expensive. You know, other times not so much. Um, sometimes you get something reasonable. Like you get a slice of pizza. I can't remember exactly how much. The pizza... There was an upstairs food court and a downstairs food court, and the pizza upstairs, eh, it was, eh, it was okay. Um, I got that one day, and, and I didn't go back. Um, but what was interesting was there was one of the food court vendors was a place called Robinson's Ribs. And okay. I believe they had, I don't know if this is a chain or if this is a restaurant. I don't know what their deal is. I don't know if they specifically like do just cons, con food or whatever. I don't know. I think they had like multiples booths of these around the convention center. So they were kind of set up to do that. Maybe maybe that's just all they do. I don't know how exactly it works there. But they had one thing. And they were a pretty popular one. And so I didn't get a chance to look at their whole menu. But the two things, two barbecue-related things they had were a rib sandwich – which, from what I heard, I didn't eat it, but I heard from people that ate it that said it was basically like a McRib. Wasn't real ribs? Just kind of like a meat in the shape of ribs, if you can imagine. <laughs> which is kind of thing, which is kind of so... That didn't sound very impressive, and I, I didn't hear any raving reviews about that. The only other thing they had was this... They had a barbecue sandwich. I don't know, I assume it was pork. It looked like pork. And so they would serve it to you like dry. It came out of a pan or whatever. They put it on a bun. It was a pretty good-sized sandwich, big bun. 
and they would get like this sauce and kind of slather it with this sauce. The sauce wasn't very appetizing to me personally. It looked more like gravy than sauce. It kind of had the texture and gravy. It kind of had the texture and the the color of like gravy. Like it was more brown than red. Um, it was pretty thick. So they would kind of slop it on there, and any time that I was up there, like getting food, I was like, "Y'all can have it." I'm sorry, that don't that don't float my boat. I didn't want that. Um, there's a lot of people getting that sandwich, and I I hope it was good. I don't know. It did not appeal to me. So my whole point in here is I did not eat barbecue at all at the convention. All right, none. But I went to this Robinson's ribs. A lot. Point being, Robinson's Ribs didn't just sell ribs. They didn't just sell barbecue. They also sold chicken fingers. Aha! For $10, you could get a basket of chicken tenders and fries. And I have to give credit to Dominic, who who is a chicken tender connoisseur, I think, um, who found this. He's like, oh yeah, the place, the red, the place with the red banner over there. And I, there was a couple places, and I finally found it. And I, I, I passed it up because I'm like, surely the rib place isn't the one selling chicken fingers, but apparently that's the case. So I go up there, and you get in line, and there's an old guy sitting behind the counter, and he's dipping up the barbecue sauce and fixing the sandwiches, and he's obviously dealing with the barbecue then. And he asks, what do you want, whatever? And I'm like, uh, chicken fingers. He's like, oh, just go on down. Like he, he's like trying to get rid of you because like he's not interested in dealing with anything, any of the fried stuff. Um, but what's funny is as the weekend progressed, the line for chicken fingers got longer and longer, and most of the people going up there were getting chicken fingers, including myself, to the point where on the last day, you would get in line, and they were so backed up on chicken fingers that you get in line, you pay the money. And the guy would, like, motion you down to the cash register. Go pay the girl or whatever. You get down there, and you get back in another line, an even longer line, just to wait for chicken fingers to be fried up and given to you. So there's a line to pay and a chicken finger line, and you have to find the line, find both lines, find the end of the chicken finger line, get in line, and then they you know serve up, like, four or five people at a time and get them chicken fingers and get them off. And then you'd have to wait for, like five minutes or so until more were fried up. Um, chicken fingers were pretty good. And, and I feel bad having this the whole point of the segment being that I didn't eat any barbecue, I just ate chicken fingers. But it was pretty good, and it was a pretty good price, and they were pretty big chicken fingers, a lot of fries, it felt like a good value, and I had my cup, so I was covered on drinks, so I felt like I lucked out pretty well with that, and I, I did that a couple times. Um, and a lot of people were doing that too. But, But overall... It was just funny that I think the rib place, I think a majority of people that were going to the rib place, the one barbecue place there, were getting chicken fingers. I mean, I think that's a testament to barbecue north of the Mason-Dixon line. You just can't (laughs) trust it. (laughs) Fair enough. People talk about how New York barbecue is all the rage, but I'm sorry. I've seen pictures of New York barbecue, and it makes me want to gag. It's like dried, dried brisket, and it's like it's like two or three strips of it, a tiny little metal cup of 
of dipping sauce that is either gravy or barbecue sauce. I don't know. I can't tell the difference. And, like, a slice of pickle. And, a, and like, a, a King's Hawaiian roll or something like that. And I'm like, excuse me, what is this? It, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that you found something that was a good bang for your buck. Because, I mean, 10 bucks for a basket of chicken and some fries, that's actually a pretty good buy at any venue that you go to, whether it's a sporting event or a movie theater or a convention. That's actually a pretty good buy. I think I think if I can pay 10 bucks and fill up and be good for, like, a majority of the day and not need to get anything else to eat, that's a win. And I was, like, every time, like, I got it. Like, I was full. Like, it was a lot. And it was, like, fresh. They had just fried it. It wasn't anything like, you know, like they were heating it in a microwave or something like that. They were, you know, cooking it right there. So, yeah, I think I think Robinson's Ribs did all right. Not with the ribs, with the chicken fingers. They should change their name to chicken fingers. I mean, I hope that they stocked up on it enough that they didn't, like, end up running out of any or something yeah, like I that. I was totally, like, I was expecting them to run out, to be honest. I'm like, there's, how many chicken fingers do you got back there? Like... You know, they're obviously, like, in Frozen or whatever, but, like, y'all are going to run out because these these people are demanding it. Like, there's a little line a mile long to get these chicken fingers. So, a follow-up question, then. Exactly which part of the chicken is the finger? Um, <clears throat> no, don't ask that question. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> That's not the question you should ask. No, don't, do, don't, don't go there. Uh... <laughs> it's a trick question. Oh, it's a, it's a question that you end up asking late at night because you're going a little crazy. So it maybe it's maybe it's time to put this crazy podcast to bed unless you've got any other thoughts to add to the night's awesome discussion. Um, uh, don't ask where chicken fingers come from. Don't ask what's in a hot dog. Um, and yeah, that's that's good food advice. Just don't ask. Just eat it. It's it's okay. <laughs> Um, don't ask questions. Um, no, this was a lot of fun. Loved reminiscing about Celebration. Obviously, there's so many other things, so many stories, so many awesome things that happened. Tried to keep it kind of focused on the trailers and the footage and the panels that were happening, but there's so many little things that happened. Like, you know, we talked about Vader Immortal. That was a big thing. Um, and just all the little, you know, you could, you could spend a whole day or a couple days just on the show floor, just wandering around. There's so many things to do, so much. Huge show floor. Like, McCormick Place is a massive, massive building, and I think this is the biggest show floor we ever had. It's the biggest in the U.S., according to one angry troll who didn't like my bashing of it at the beginning of the con. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, my. So I I said, hey, instead of, you know, having all of these – lottery style accommodations why don't you just oh i don't know get a better venue and somebody said but mccormick place is the biggest in the united states the biggest convention center in the united states and i'm like excuse me who said anything about getting a convention center i'm like you're you're, you're not wrong you're not wrong honestly at this point it's kind of to the place where a convention center can't really hold the type of convention that you're trying to put on. I agree that I think, like, well, I think they were in a step in the right direction. We were in a legit arena. Like, it wasn't a massive arena, but it was 
like yeah, Wintrust only Wintrust only seats about ten thousand. It's usually used for like college athletics and the WNBA and stuff like that. Right. It's definitely better than previous venues we've had. Like, you know, the one in Orlando was pretty bad. Like, it was all floor seats, and it was it's a huge room. It was all floor seats, and it wouldn't seat nearly as many people. Like, this was mm-hmm. stadium seating, which helped. Um, so like, you really couldn't get a bad seat. Um, but yeah, I think. I think they should, like, you know, get even bigger. Like, you know, get a huge stadium, like, you know, and, and do the panels there. That's 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 how you do it. So here's here's my train of thought. And maybe I'm saying this because I'm selfish and I want it to happen close to home. But next year, the Texas Rangers are opening up a new ballpark. Oh. And it's going to be indoors. And it's close to the entertainment district of the city. So there's going to be, like, movie theaters and shopping and things like that. And it's, like, down the street from our Six Flags Amusement Park. Um, and so there's there's going to be all kinds of opportunities for stadium-style seating to happen at, like, a ballpark, perhaps. It'll have multiple jumbotrons, so you could see the screen from wherever it is that you're sitting and be able to watch and observe and participate. And the thing is... The ballpark next door is not going to be torn down. It's going to be converted into a football stadium. Oh, wow. So there's the potential to have vendors and autograph sessions in the the suites and the main concourse of one stadium and have the big panels and viewings and such happening at another stadium mm, that's interesting. and you could you could do some shifting back and forth between those two different venues depending on how you wanted to arrange it and set it up in theory if the weather was good you could have the vendors in the open stadium and you could just go around the three different decks that they've got to go see your different celebrities or go see your different uh vendors over there and it would all be covered and then you could go next door to the other arena for the stadium-style seating for all the big trailers and panels and discussions and stuff. It would literally be, you know, a quarter mile away. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think limiting yourself to a convention center is too limiting for something of this scope. If there's the opportunity to expand in a different capacity, I say go for it. Yeah. Because... This, this type of convention is only going to grow. It's only going to get bigger the more popular it becomes. You're going to grow out of a convention center. You've practically grown out of it already. So what options exist? That, that should be the big question. What options exist? My alternative thought would be to host everything at the Cowboys Stadium. Because you've seen, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen how big big their jumbotron is at that stadium uh-huh it's as big as an actual football field just about <laughs> and can you imagine watching a star wars trailer with 70 80 000 people in that arena watching it on that big ass jumbotron yeah dude that would be the dream right there yeah that would so, be hey i'm all for celebration texas We'll uh, we'll keep dreaming in the meantime. I-, I could see it happening maybe in like Houston or San Antonio or something like that before it happens in Dallas. But 
Uh, just dreaming. Just dreaming for now. Uh, but until next week comes around, we'll just keep dreaming of another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Speaking of dreams, it's about the time to put myself to bed. So, for Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. We hope that you'll tune in next week. I uh, don't even know what our discussion is going to be yet, so be sure to stay tuned to us at IPC Podcast yeah. on social media. We will figure that out sometime between now and next Friday. But until then, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week, and we'll leave you with this closing thought. Our actions define our legacy. Thanks for tuning in to IPC. We'll see you all next week. Until then, good night, everyone. <laughs>